All right. All right. Now we're recording. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well, David. Thanks for having me on uh, your podcast. This is Absolutely. exciting. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you doing it. Um, now, you're a comedian and you're from Michigan, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, when did you get involved in comedy? Uh, I've been doing comedy for uh, about 10 years. Oh, wow. And I got involved, well, like, it was a long time ago before I started doing comedy. I was a uh, I was running a lawn service and I was working at this, uh, this bar called the shook. I was like a promoter for their crazy country night on Thursdays. <laughs> and, and like, so I was like doing that. Like I was kind of like living uh, a fun life, you know, just, you know, enjoy like getting people to come out and party with me and then mowing grass during the day. And, uh, and I seen that Ralphie May was coming to town. Uh, he was coming to the temple theater in Saginaw. And I was like, oh, dude, I've seen this guy in Last Comic Standing. He's hilarious. This guy's so funny. And I like looked at their Facebook page, and they didn't have anybody invited to it. And like, I'm like, well, this is what I do for a living is getting people you know, invited to parties and stuff like that. So I hit up the, the promoter, and I said, hey, if you, uh, if you give me four free tickets, I'll add like 5,000 people to this event. This was like oh. the day, this is like back in the day when you could add whole, like Facebook used to let you invite like whole like lists, like your whole <laughs> friend list. You could do like 3000 people in like one click. Oh my and, gosh. uh, but like you had to like have like a secret little, like, uh, you like HTML code to do it. <laughs> and like, it wasn't hard, but like, I, I knew how to do it. And, uh, the guy said for sure. So I got, uh, I added the, the like 5,000 friends from like the shook and then my friends and everybody's friends. I got them added to the event and uh, the promoter for the show. Um, who was awesome, by the way, next, next thing I know, he was like, oh, well, do you want to hang up flyers? Uh, do you want to, uh, you want to go like uh, hand out uh, flyers after like hockey games and try to get people to the show. And I'm like, absolutely. And I'm like, just out here doing exactly what I do for crazy country nights, but for Ralphie May. And when he comes and does the show, he's hysterical. He murders. Like, he brings down the house in Saginaw. I laugh so hard. My freaking cheeks hurt afterwards. <laughs> and I this is this is kind of crazy because I remember there was this girl that I really liked. And, uh, like, she would like she would never give me, you know, like, uh, she wasn't giving me the time of day. But she came to the uh, Ralphie May show with me. And at the very end, uh, Ralphie May is like, look at this guy who brought you here. He paid for these expensive tickets. He bought you a dinner. Uh, he bought these expensive beers. You at least give this man a blowjob tonight. And I was like laughing my ass off. And that was the first and last time I ever hooked up with that chick. And uh, like it, it, it became like a reality, a reality to me. Like um, because when you live in Michigan and or like, you know, kind of like in Saginaw where there's no clubs anywhere around it doesn't feel like it's a reality to be a comedian it feels like you have to go to la or new york or yeah um you know or, or chicago and you like it just became real it became like oh this can happen you can this is this can happen near you and uh it it didn't really like it, it like planted the seed for me yeah and then um maybe like uh a year or two goes by and like i've been thinking about it i'm talking to my friends i'm like oh yeah like i'm like 
coming up with scenarios in my head about what hecklers are going to say to me. Mm. I'm writing it down. I'm like, this guy's going to say this and I'm going to come back at him. <laughs> and like none of the stuff that you can ever predict, it, it would never like, you can never predict what's going to happen on stage. But in my mind, I'm like trying to figure it out. And I'm telling my friends, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And my, uh, unfortunately my dad passes away of a heart attack unexpectedly, unexpectedly. And, uh, like, this was like the guy who like, you know, you know, taught me about business, you know, taught me about life. And, um, I didn't, I didn't expect it to happen so quickly. And it, with, with a couple other losses in my life, uh, like, um, uh, one of my best friends committed suicide and then my dad passed away and it was just like, well, I like had this realization that life is not guaranteed. And if I want to do something in this life, if there's something I want to do, I should just do it because you never know tomorrow's not guaranteed and you, you got to go for it. So when he passed away, um, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, uh, I'm going to do comedy and I'm going to go, I'm going to go to LA. And, uh, I was really lucky. My uh, friend, Matt, let me stay on his couch in North Hollywood. And I was so nervous about doing any kind of shows. Like I was there, I was there for like, you know, three months. I was petrified doing open mics, but I did it. I finally got on stage, got up at the Ha Ha North Hollywood and it was fun. And then I got a job work for Pauly Shore, interning for Pauly Shore. Holy and cow. he's coming in. He's like, I heard you're a comedian. He's like, I got to see your act. And I'm like, thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, out loud. I'm like, yeah, I'll show you. And in my head, I'm like, I got to write an act. I got to come up with something because I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing at all. And uh, it was just like really, really crazy because all of a sudden I'm in the I'm in the place where like Jim Carrey, you know, uh, got his United States start. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Yeah. That was like his home. Like the comedy store was like his home. Cause Pauly Shore is office, like right, right above the uh, comedy store. And, and I'm like seeing these pictures, like, uh, Ralphie May on the wall and Jim Carrey and All the, legends. Know, the Wayans brothers. And, you know, everybody that's done comedy, like is on this wall and you're like, Whoa, this is, you know, this is, I'm amongst, the legends of of comedy this mecca um unfortunately i was still running the lawn service so i had to go back in the summertime i went in the winter i came back got into um started mowing the lawns and then i went back out the next year and i'm like this year i'm taking it super serious i'm gonna get up as many times as possible i got up uh i think it was like 66 times in like three months in and I'm, and I'm looking at, like, I'm looking at it like this is like, uh, comparatively of how many sets I could do in Michigan compared to how many sets I could do in LA. So like in Michigan, like I live in Saginaw. So if I was going to do an open mic, I'd have to go to Lansing. I'd have to go to Detroit, Grand Rapids. Um, those are like the, the main three, like three spots you can go. And they're all an hour and a half. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. 
Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. So if I could get, you know, if I can get to a mic, you know, once or twice a week, like I might be doing 66 sets the, the whole, the whole year, you know, right, so I'm like, I'm right. going to get this experience. And, uh, when I came back, I'm like, all right, I'm feeling it. I got a little bit of, you know, some, uh, shows under my belt. I worked at the ha ha North Hollywood, like, um, just like helping them do anything that they could do. Like, um, like I was, I, <laughs> this is the, this is the fun. This is how I met one of my best friends in comedy. I remember I was out there and it was New Year's, it was like coming to like New Year's Eve. And so like, I remember I'm at the, at the Ha Ha Comedy Club. I've been helping out. I'm like grabbing ice for him, helping him with marketing. Cause I, you know, I did promotion. So I'm like, I'll help you with the marketing. I'll like, I'll help you with anything you need to do. I just want to learn how to do comedy. And uh, John Melendez was there, stuttering John from uh, Howard Stern. And he's just hanging out there and he's like, come to this party in uh, Las Vegas, man. I'm having a party. Come out there. And I'm like, oh, 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 for, oh, for sure. That sounds like a great idea. And then the owner of the Ha Ha is like, hey, do you want to, you want to work? You want to help here at the, at the club? And I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, I'm going to get on stage on New Year's Eve, you know, like, oh this is going to be, this is going to be great. And uh, they made, they had me DJ and I like, and everybody back home was like having a good time and calling my friends. They're all drunk. They're like, yeah, dude, happy New Year's. And I'm like, I miss you guys. It's out here. I hope I'm going to get some stage time. And I'm like in this like small ass, like the smallest sound booth of all time. It's like a little closet with like a little peak hole. And you can like see everybody out there with their friends and family, like having a great time. And like the first show goes by, I didn't get on stage. The second show goes by and like, it's dawning on me. Like I'm not getting on stage. I just missed this party in, in Vegas. And, you know, I'm away from all my friends and I'm all like, kind of like defeated a little bit. And I see this guy, this guy, Nick Guerra go on stage and he's hilarious. He rips the freaking roof off the place. And I was like, oh, and like, I was just like, oh, good set. You know what I mean? Like, good set. And, I, but I felt like kind of sad about it. But then like, I went back home and I started my own show, the Future Comedy Show, like, like, right, like, right next to my house, like at a, at a, a small little uh, bar. And all of a sudden I'm looking on TV. I'm like, oh, hey, that guy who was just headlined that show was just on Last Comic Standing. He got Last Comic Standing. Wow. I'm like, that, I go, I'm like that. I was like, I just seen that guy. And, uh, and the next time, so the next time I go to LA, I come back every winter for like four years straight and I see him, I'm doing the show. And this is after he's got last comic standing, he's got a comedy central credit. I'm like, Hey dude, like what, like what kind of advice you got for me? And he's like, start, we started talking comedy. He's like, I'll come to Michigan. I'll do a show with you. And I mean, we did a show at the, uh, state theater. Uh, I had him come and I was like, I'm going to promote it. I lost, I lost like $4,000 on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cause in the big, be- in the beginning too, is like, you think like putting on shows is going to be like input, like output, like right. you'll be able, like you put the money into advertising. It's going to come out. Yeah. So I got like a radio ad for like $4,000 oh and gosh. it sold like 30 tickets. It was, uh. four- I literally sold all the tickets by hand. We like, we had like 130 people there. And I sold a hundred of them like by hand and the radio <laughs> sold like 30 and I spent like four grand on the radio oh, and it gosh. hurt, it hurt my soul, but <laughs> Nick was so nice. He gave me some of my money back. 
which was like very nice. And uh, and we were friends ever ever since then. Um, I don't know. Now I'm on a huge just tangent of of no. uh, how I got into how I got started. No, that I think that's that's awesome to hear because when a lot of people like come to see you at your show, they they imagine that you're just like inherently nat- naturally funny and that you've probably been doing it for a long time and they don't understand like the struggles that it, it took in order to get where you are today. Oh yeah. Right? It's, like, <laughs> it's easier to start the, the book in the middle of the book and being like, <laughs> Oh, this guy's just a, a natural talent here. <laughs> right. Right. So would you, would you have considered yourself kind of always, always a funny guy or. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean like my, my, like my domain of like, like, of doing comedy like started on the bus like when i was like really young like uh i remember my my friend he was on the bus with me he told me my first uh street joke i ever heard it was on the bus his name was justin i remember he had this joke about this flea and uh going to this flea goes to his cousin's flea's house and uh the flea gets there he's cold he's like brr i'm cold and the cousin flea goes why why are you so cold he goes well you know i got in this biker guy's beard and he rode harley's all winter i'm freezing and then the other flea goes well you uh you need to go find a nice lady go crawl up her leg find a nice little spot it'll be warm there you come back next spring tell me how you do and he comes back the next spring and he goes oh okay he goes i'm freezing and the flea goes why you didn't do what i said and he goes yeah i did exactly what i said what you said to do but somehow i got stuck in that biker guy's beard again and like when he told me that joke on the bus, I was like, I started like looking up all sorts of jokes online. Like, uh, I went, there used to be like a website, like funny.com or something like that. And mm. it was literally just street jokes. And I would look up blonde jokes and, you know, <laughs> every kind of sexual joke there was. And I would get everybody around the bus and tell these jokes that I memorized the night before. And, uh, it was kind of like, the back of the bus that's like where all the jokes were like i'll come back here we're gonna tell the jokes <laughs> um that's probably where it, that's probably where it started but then like i did uh i did academic track which was like this uh skits like 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 um the schools competed with like five kids a piece and you okay. get like a premise and like they give you five minutes to plan it and five minutes to um to uh perform it and they'd be like oh you're watching your your little sister and she breaks the the vase that's a fa- that's been in the family for three decades what do you do and you have to think of some kind of you know humorous way to fix the problem and then we did that and my team was real my team was good my cousins were on it we had a lot of fun and then I did drama and uh like I, that was like such a slack off class but it was so much fun we'd like sneak out get Burger King and uh <laughs> go on the roof and smoke pot and oh. but i did get the lead in one of them and i got the lead in like this uh murder mystery play and i didn't like learn any of the lines so like a week before i had to i had to be pretend to be sick for the whole week and listen i recorded all the lines on uh on like a mp3 player listen to them that was back so, in the like, day <laughs> like i pretend that i was sick go to the office and just listen to my lines all day and, like prepping prepping for the show that I didn't know any of the lines <laughs> I'm the lead and I don't know any of them and uh fortunately I I learned all all the all the lines just in time and the the weekend before like uh I have a party at my house 
and this kid comes over and he wasn't invited. And uh, I'm like, dude, you got to leave, man. These are my friends. And then he headbutted me in the face and slammed my face onto a counter. And I had the biggest black eye ever <laughs> during my debut uh, lead as an actor. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. It, well, I learned that I learned that day that it doesn't matter <laughs> if your friends are there. You got to watch out for these crazy people. <laughs> well, that's one thing I found really interesting uh, coming to your comedy show, uh, the future of future of comedy show. Uh, uh, was it Friday night? Or, yeah. Yes, Friday night. Um, that you guys did not hold back. You guys were not concerned about cancel culture. The shit you guys were joking about. I was like, damn, like I felt free. It was awesome. It, it felt it was, free. It felt free. <laughs> you weren't, yeah. you weren't, you weren't concerned about hurting people's feelings, which you shouldn't be. If you're doing comedy, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be concerned about offending somebody, right? Yeah. Well, it's never my goal to ever offend anybody. That's not my my goal is to like like bring you as much value as possible. Like I I want you to have as much fun for the ticket price as as possible. And yeah. I never want anybody to be upset. And I think that with like the people that I have on the show, uh, Big Juicy was on the show myself. And it was just like, our energies are like very um, authentic. And yeah. like, you can tell that anything we're saying is not coming from a place of malice. We're not, we don't want anybody to like have hurt feelings or, or not feel good about themselves, but we're going to definitely bust your balls. A little. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the gig. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I just love that, you know, because a lot of times I think comedians are afraid to say certain things because they're afraid of, you know, uh, the way a cr the crowd might respond or they're afraid of getting canceled or whatever. But, um, it was kind of liberating to go to your show and then uh, hear some of the jokes that some of the comedians were saying. I was like, okay, this is, this is awesome. Like it feels like comedy. Yeah. Well, we're not famous enough to get canceled anyway. So like, <laughs> it, it, could like happen. it could happen. I'm not, I'm not that big. Uh, this podcast is not that big, but people have tried canceling me for some of the guests I've had on. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, it, that, what are the people have nothing to do? That's like the crazy thing is if, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. You know, that's yeah, kinda, exactly. Like, you nobody's. You're not forcing anybody to download your podcast, right? Or, exactly. You know, you're like, not forcing I, anybody. I don't know, to go I don't know what show. the guests are, so I'm not sticking up for them. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, it was. It's generally like politicians or whatever those kind of guests. Um, people who would like naturally, I guess, just be considered um, uh, controversial. You yeah. Know? But absolutely, politics are hard. I, yeah. You know. It's not it's fun. Like, that's what that's what I've been telling everybody is uh, lately at my shows. I'm, I might not mention it at Jackson, but I've been trying to tell people is we can't we can't wait for politics or politicians or people the left or the right to come save us or make things better. We got to start really looking at our community and being like, hey, the people are here at this show together. We're you know we're the people that are here for each other, so we need to start taking care of each other right here. Oh, this, absolutely. You know. I, that's I, I can't believe how many people get ripped in politics and you know I feel that both sides really don't have a vested interest in the common person you know what I mean yeah, they're yeah so it's it's funny that people get so excited about it they're like oh my team <laughs> oh my team like and really both sides really I mean they don't give a shit yeah I mean, in my opinion they I care that's about why 
that's why I like comedy so much because it's something that anybody can go to and just laugh. Like if you go, especially like if you're, if you're joking about politics and you have like just a, a point of view of like, okay, this guy's just trying to be funny. And like most comedians don't have like a, a I guess a narrative that they're trying to get like put out on stage. They're just trying to be funny. Um, yeah. And so whenever I go to a comedy show and I hear somebody talk about politics, like it's not one of those dividing things. If anything, it makes, I, I feel like people come together. Yeah. It depends. It, de- I mean, it depends <laughs> on what you're talking about, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, in Michigan, it was crazy doing shows through the pandemic. I mean, with everything shut, shutting down every show we did, I mean, we were joking that Whitmer was going to sh- come in, busted the door and shut us down at any moment. And uh, I, people really liked that. <laughs> people really liked that. They liked the idea that she was going to come, come to the show and shut us down. Oh, but l- luckily, I mean, luckily comedy's back. Cause that is maybe the last, the last true form of uh, free speech left. I um, really believe it is. Uh, I mean, cause if, you know, you have Twitter, you can get kicked off Twitter. If you have YouTube, you can get kicked off YouTube. Uh, any of those platforms, you can be cl- uh, kicked off. Yeah. I mean, if you have a fan base, um, I mean, even even if you have a fan base and they kick you off, you might not be able to reach your audience. But, I mean, if you have a true audience, I mean, you can never truly be canceled in, in comedy, I don't think. I mean, not, who, not, unless, not unless you're Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Who knows though? I mean, there. I I have a feeling people would come see Bill Cosby. Oh, I think so. It sometimes I have a a joke about Bill uh, Cosby, and it's just a quick little one-liner. And you'd be surprised how many people are like, "Oh, my childhood! Don't remind me." You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, don't remind me what he did. Like, and they 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 may never really believe it. Like, you know, that's not, you know. That's not real. Oop. Right, right. How um, often do you do you write jokes or do you write every day? Do you what's your uh, what's your process like? So I do write every day, um, but it's jur- like I journal. So I like just journaling my thoughts. So like, all right, well, this is like my goals and my gratitudes, and uh, like just kind of like what's happening in my life. What you know, what I think I need to change to make it better. To um to get to uh, the point I want to, the point where I want to be. But I do a lot of writing on stage because like things will happen. Uh, things will happen on stage and I'll go, oh, that was funny. And and then I'll remember it and I'll go, okay, I'll just add that as like a one-liner to my act, you know, somewhere in here. Uh, like, cause like a lot of, like a lot of, you know, a lot of it's improv, but yeah, but you can find you can find these spots that are like you can use the the same line again you're like oh this is a good spot for it like i mean when people are going like this and holding their arms and you know that's my one line with the with the uh formula shortage going on i'm like oh you know this guy heard there's a formula shortage and he's like not getting it from me you know i mean like (laughs) that line is gonna work for like uh i don't know probably another six months i don't know (laughs) I'm going to squeeze as much out of it as possible until it's not longer relevant. Right. So when you were on stage Friday night and you were doing um, your, uh, your, most of it was improv, right? Yeah, I think, so I've done, I do Jackson all the time. 
like okay. Jackson's like my second largest market that I do. Not like largest in per capita, but like like with the like how many um like with ticket sales and stuff like that. It's like my second market. Okay. And um I do shows there all the time. So a lot of people have seen me there. So I'm not trying to repeat any material. So right. I'm I'm doing a lot of improv on that one. But if I go to a new uh, a new market, like I've got jokes I've been working on, you know, I've been doing 10 years and you, you've seen, I didn't do any, any actual jokes when you were there. No, you but, didn't. So if I, like I'm going to be going to uh, Cody, Wyoming and Billings, Montana uh, oh, cool. in the beginning of August. So I'll be doing like my whole entire, you know, all my A stuff and, you know, for right. people that have never seen me before. Um, but I try to put on a good show either or. I mean, that's like kind of how you strengthen your act. You're like, all right, well, these guys seen it. And that, that might have been one of the reasons why I feel my strength is in my, um, like my crowd work or my improv is because when I first started, like, well, like I was saying, it was so far away to go do any of these open mics, but I had a show that I was doing weekly, like not even a quarter mile away from my house. So I was doing that every single Wednesday. And this is another way I felt like I got good was. I was doing the same room. I was doing a show in Saginaw one day, Bay City one day, and Midland one day. So, so I'd have like three shows in a row, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I'd bring in comics from all over the place. You know, I'd be like, hey, I got to run a, a shows for you to come, come on. Uh, come on and go do a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with me. And I would stay in the middle. And these this audience would see me every week. So I'm like, I'm putting my feet against the fire. I got to go up there and rip uh you know every week in front of the same audience so i have to come up with new stuff i gotta yeah. i gotta i gotta be over like expanding all the time because once somebody hears your second the joke the second time they're like heard it, heard it. <laughs> like they'll be like finishing the punchlines and like uh, it's not good like it gets stale real quick and nobody right. wants to watch the same jokes over not especially not live right like, right maybe on a you know, you watch a special that you really like, you watch it a bunch of times, but yeah. people don't want to see, people don't want to see the same, you know, 15 minutes every week. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I was telling my wife, uh, watching you on Friday, I was like, his improv skills are like off the chain. Cause I mean, you were able to just like right off the cuff, just start making fun of people and, and carry on the jokes. And even the whole music improv thing was, that was, that was pretty good too. Yeah, the, the music improv is like what really ties it all together because people are like, because people don't understand what I'm doing for the most of the time. They're like, what is this, what's this guy? <laughs> like, I, I, it's so funny because I, when I first started, uh, or maybe like three, four years into comedy, there's this like really like huge guy who's like six foot freaking eight. He's built like a damn giant, just humongous, <laughs> right? And he was like talking through everybody's set. So when I get up there, I'm like roasting him. I'm roasting everybody, but I'm roasting him especially. And he's all, he's all mad. He's like, yeah, got no jokes. Yeah, got no jokes. He's like mad because I don't got no setup punchlines. And I'm telling, I'm like, you're the joke. You're the joke. He's like humongous. And he's wasted. He's like, my dad served in World War II. He was like, man, like, but like people don't understand, like, what the hell is this guy doing? But then when it comes all back, and it all comes back to a song. People are like, "Oh, okay." It's like a little, a little bow on the top. Like, "Oh, all right, I get what you're doing now." It's almost like you're collecting data from the crowd 
and to use later on in the in the musical or in the music portion. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes I like have to like stop myself from like t- saying the joke right away because they'll say something, and I'll like I'll be like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm gonna get a couple of jokes after they say something, but then I want to keep the real good joke for like the song. Right. Because like you can like when people say stuff, I'm like, all right, okay, well, I can connect this with this with this and uh and then i just want to keep it for the like for the the grand finale i'm like oh just oh, cool. i'll just be like oh i like that oh i like that i'll be back to you oh that's funny um now you have show a bunch of shows coming up do you don't you yeah i've done i'm like booked almost uh solid into, until december holy shit but i do have the the summer series coming up um i got croswell this weekend uh when when's this podcast go up uh that's a good question um it'll either be later this week or the beginning of next week okay yeah if anybody can hear i gotta uh you can get all my dates at mike ball d-o-t-c-o-m.com mike ball.com.com okay um, i post that in the uh show notes in the show notes if you want to see any shows i got croswell's lake orion um cadillac michigan uh bay city traverse city billings montana cody wyoming um port austin they're all coming up and then getting into the fall there's a ton of dates all over michigan that's cool that's very cool now is is comedy something you do full-time now oh yeah so i've i've been doing comedy full-time for uh seven years i think whoa so three years in yep so um it might have been yeah so the last time i went to it might have been it might be six i'm trying i can't remember if it's the third or fourth year it's this time flies like crazy but (laughs) um i remember i was in la uh and that guy remember that uh guy the the haha the owner of the haha so yeah. I, was like work, I was working there again, like when I came back and he was like, oh, I'll let you uh, sublease my sister's uh, condo for a month or whatever for like 800 bucks. And I'm like, hell yeah. So I'm like renting out this uh, apartment for 800 bucks. And I'm like sitting there on my phone and I see that there's a um, there's a uh, like event on the comedy And it says making money doing screenplays. And I'm like, well, I like to make money. Like, I like to learn how to make money doing screenplays. And uh, it's, it goes, it goes, uh, hosted by Judd Apatow. And I'm like, what Ooh. the hell? Five dollars for Judd. You know who Judd Apatow is, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, Freaks and Geeks and Forty uh, Year Old Virgin and um, Super Bad. I mean, dude, he's he's involved in like all of my favorite projects, especially. <laughs> Especially when like that time of my life. So I'm like, oh, like, holy crap. Like it's happening in like an hour. So I jump right in my car. I head down to the UCB theater. I get out. The parking's $5. I'm just like talking to the parking guy. I'm like, parking's $5. Judd Apatow is <laughs> going to be talking for $5. Like he ble- he's going to be giving away his information. How to make money doing screenplays for $5. $5. Like I'm like my mind is blown like it's like cheaper than a fucking five dollars subway sandwich you know (laughs) at the time i'm like i cannot believe it's only five dollars and i'm like sitting there and uh and i'm like 
sitting in line. I'm talking to everybody. I'm just out of my mind. Like, I can't believe it. And I like, there's a lady up in the front and she has a clipboard and she's like, um, she's like, uh, I'm like, Hey, can I get a ticket for this? And she goes, well, we're, we're about, uh, we're sold out, but I can put you on the wait list. And I'm like, how, how long is the wait list? And she's like, you're 30th on the wait list. And I'm like, ah, oh, well, I'm like, they get all, this might be a, 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 a tough chance to get in, you know, but I just keep up a good attitude. I, I go buy a book next door. I'm talking to everybody still. And all of a sudden everybody starts going to the theater and the first person on the list was like, I can't remember his name exactly, but we'll just say John or something. And he goes, oh, John plus three. And the guy goes, I only have two. And this was like literally one of the people I was like, five dollars. I can't believe it. And he, I go, can I be the extra one? And he goes, yeah, can he be the extra one? And I get in against all odds. And I'm like, second row, stage left. And Judd Apatow comes out. The whole place goes wild. Ah, sold out show. Ah, Judd Apatow. And uh, the first thing he goes, he goes, he goes, who's here for entertainment? And who's here to learn? And I'm like, so hype. I'm like, I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. <laughs> like, I'm like way louder than anybody. And, uh, and he just like looks at me and he goes, oh, well, what do you, what do you want to learn about? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, 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 well, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I run a lawn service during the summer and I'm out here in the uh, winter time, uh, trying to learn as much about uh, comedy as I can. So anything that you want to teach me, like I'm here to learn. Like, I love all your stuff, all your movies. And I'm like, I'm like going like all through all the stuff. I'm like, oh, freaks and geeks and 40 year old virgin. I'm like naming off everything he's done. And he's like, oh, I, I like you, you know? And then all of a sudden, uh, and this is, I feel so bad because I can never remember this guy's name. And uh, he, this another comic comes out and he'll come to me. He'll come to me like as soon as I tell the story. Um, <laughs> and, it's, and he's the pivotal point. I feel so bad. Um, he's a Chicago comic, but he, he's like coming out and he's like, he's like going back and forth with Judd Apatow. And uh, he's like, like make it funny he's like you never give me any good roles in your movies or whatever and uh and i'm like sitting over there and then judd kind of like looks at me and goes oh like uh what did you, did you think about anything like what uh like anything you want to learn about specifically and i was like well you know i guess like how do i get into movies with uh you and seth rogan and the whole place laughs right they're like ah <laughs> And Judd like starts to like rub his chin and he's like about to answer. And this is, I, man, I'm going to, I'm killing myself for not being able to remember this, what, what his name was. It was super funny comic too. And he goes, he like cuts him off. He cuts off Judd and he goes, I tell you, I'll tell you what to do. You quit that stupid lawn service and you just uh, come out here and do it. You can't, you can't do it if you're running a lawn service. And I'm like, <laughs> like duh like that makes sense you know what i mean like you can't so i go back home i get this book called the one thing and it also says like you got so many units of energy you got a hundred units of energy and like you're using uh 50 of them on your lawn service business and only 50 on 
like or like for instance say like for somebody who has a day job and they work 40 hours of their day job and then they do 10 hours of comedy that's 80 units of energy towards somebody else's dream and only 20 percent towards your your dream so you right. gotta you gotta swap that like you gotta be like make that 20 percent enough to live to you know to follow your dream and then like cut overall overhead cost or to get to 100 percent because once you use all your energy at the thing it starts moving you know once you it's life is a game of input outputs like the more you put in the more you're gonna get out right. so like at the end of that year i remember like the like i had a guy quit on quit on me like right before the end of the year it's like cold outside i'm shoveling out this grass on the back of this truck the last day i'm like this is the last day ever i'm doing this i remember <laughs> i'm like i went and told uh like my second family i have like a second family i'm like hey this is the last day i'm selling this lawn service i'm going full time and it was really early on it was like really super early on and um i did end up getting a little bit of money for the lawn care for the lawn care business and i like went like i was like doing comedy and i like see my savings dwindling because i wasn't making any money yet like all my money i was like getting down lower and lower and lower and lower and all of a sudden like i'm like at like seven bucks in my account and i'm like i gotta i gotta really start making some money so i started making some moves like all right well, i'm like well i gotta produce more comedy shows so i started producing more comedy shows and then the next thing i know i get a call from like this golf resort they want me to host like nine shows for a hundred bucks a piece i'm like jumping in my living room like <laughs> yo dude i'm freaking got booked for nine nine hundred dollars like for like nine shows it's funny and uh i'm excited as all hell i'm jumping through the living room calling my family like you you never believe i just got a nine hundred dollar you know gig i mean it's nine shows but like <laughs> for me i was like okay here like here we here we go we can do this we just got to keep the overhead as low as possible like no extra stuff like you know no like no new cars like driving old like i had to i have a joke about my old pontiac aztec i drove like an 05 pontiac aztec for i don't know that that i got for i got it for 1200 bucks mm. and yeah for, i mean it needed a head gasket i found out <laughs> uh but like just driving, like just keep my my overhead low, like not spending any money on anything unnecessary. Like yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep my overhead low. I'm like I ended up quit quitting drinking like uh six like uh six years ago. So like that pretty much was like one of those like moments. Like all right, I'm gonna stop spending my money on alcohol. I'm gonna and I'm gonna stop self sabotaging myself with alcohol, which was a huge deal of self sabotage. Um, with with alcohol i mean hey that's a whole other podcast of what, uh, i was gonna say what do you mean by that do you like you would just you would drink and well um i mean i think like throughout like my like whole life like my whole life I, like i was always having i was always getting in trouble with alcohol like i got like uh mips like minor possessions and then it was funny because that one that one show that i got booked for that nine that nine show thing the very last one was like the grand finale. There's like 300 people there and they were like giving me alcohol. They gave me like a $50 tab every time. Wow. And then people would just buy you stuff because like, oh yeah, you're the host of the show. Like, let's get this guy drunk. He'll party <laughs> with us. And 
I got a DUI in a parking lot, listen to Ted Nugent stranglehold. And <laughs> like, like it was, it was like so crazy. Cause I was there with like, you know, a comic friend of mine and a, and a guy that worked at the resort. And I was like pulling out to like, we're going to go to the store to go get some more alcohol or a, a blunt wrap or something. And I seen a cop go by and I said, Oh, I go, look at, look at them. I'm going back in here. He's looking for drunk drivers. So I go back in and I'm just listening to Ted Nugent laugh and watching the cop go by that way again and then back that way again. And then he comes back again and pulls in the parking lot, pulls me over when Mulroy pulled over. It was like some freaking, uh, what's that movie uh, with all the cops? Uh, uh, Super Troopers. Oh, okay, he's like, yeah. pull over. And I'm like, I'm already <laughs> pulled over. And, uh, and I end up getting a DUI, not, like just in a parking lot. Oh my and God. I'm like, all right. So, and like now I'm going to get my license restricted. Now I'm going to have to pay all this, uh, you know, all this money for, you know, uh, drug testing and alcohol testing and, uh, therapy that they make you do. And, uh, and then drive and they were making me drive an hour and a half, uh, like once a week to go get drug tested, what? like in Ionia County. So like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I was like sitting there. And I'm talking to my buddy, Mitch Gill, and he had quit drinking like a couple years earlier than that. And he's like, he's like, dude, you've got like the, you got like the, uh, the formula here. Like you're, you're a funny guy, you're hardworking. You know, if you just like focus yourself instead of, and stop, you know, self-sabotaging yourself, stop drinking, really put your energy towards your goals. It'll happen for you. And I was like, I was like, Mitch, you're right. And I felt like shit, like, Cause I always thought people that got DUIs were such losers. Like, like in my head, <laughs> like if somebody got DUI, I was like, ah, loser. <laughs> like I thought like people that got DUIs were like the biggest losers ever. So like, oh, I was funny. like sitting in the, like in the jail cell, eating a bologna sandwich. Like, like I'm the biggest <laughs> fucking loser ever. And, and I like got out and I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm done. Like I'm done. This is, uh, this is it. It took me like a little, like it took me maybe like, maybe like a, a little while after. I think like, actually, I think July 8th, I'll be six years sober. Exactly. Oh, wow. Um, um, but like, just like that kind of self-sabotage, I was like, all right, well, I'm done doing that. And it, it does help because you save a lot of money and yeah. you're not making bad decisions. So you're not putting your safety at risk. Um do you uh do you think you've been more successful since you start stop drinking? Well, with comedy. Um, yeah, I mean, I I became more focused, and if anything, and it's not it was a gradual thing. It's finding out what's important to you and what actually helps. Um, what actually helps you like towards your mission, you know? Because a lot of times you get stuck in your head and you go, "Well, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this." And then you realize that none of those things actually put you towards the direction that you want to be in. Mm, it's yeah. actually like these little minuscule tasks that aren't fun. Yeah. Uh, like, like Elon Musk would say, Elon Musk would say, it's like, this is like your, like your, uh, your, ta like your to-do list. Like this is just your, the stuff to keep things going and just being able to focus on those things, like writing every day and um, like just trying to get something done for like, your career every day like all right well i'm gonna sit down on the computer and i'm gonna put out 10 things that are gonna make 
you know, help me get to my goal yeah. of, of what the overall, whatever the, the goal is for you. I, like, I'm not sure. I don't want to share my, like my, my whole master plan on here. No, but like no, no. I do have, I do have some goals. Um, like, I mean, for like selling tickets, like I had to go, like, um, I've already sold more tickets this year in July right now than I did all of last year. Wow. So like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like really say, okay, how do I sell these tickets? What do I got to do? I got to, and these are like the real things that will add value to my life and be able to yeah. help other people too. Cause you can't fill from an empty glass, you know, you can't, right. you can't help exactly. anybody. You don't got anybody to help anything to help with. Yeah. That's one thing I've realized, like, especially with a podcast, um, cause I also work a full-time job is that if I do something every day, whether it's, you know, like if I'm not putting an episode out, let's say, but, um, or editing an episode, but if I'm maybe promoting a past episode or maybe I'm actively looking for a guest or actively looking for some sort of sponsorship or something, whatever it is, or responding back to emails, as long as you're doing something every day, you're always kind of moving in the right direction. Absolutely. You're, you're not, you're not staying stagnant. Absolutely. And I, I think the key I, for me, what I'm, what I'm learning too, cause this is all gradual. Like, uh, like in the very beginning, like I was a very uh, a procrastinator, wait to the last minute. And the, the, like, I mean, like I was telling you about like the, the, uh, that theater show, the drama show, like I was like, wait the last minute to do the, <laughs> to learn my lines. But like, how did you do by the way? Oh yeah. It was fun. I learned like literally <laughs> they, like my cast were like, what the hell? Like, like the, the day before they're like, is he going to get it? And like, literally I got it. Like the day, like I like learned, got everything nailed down right before. Oh my and it gosh. was so much fun. Like, like if anybody's like watching you're younger and you're thinking about taking drama class and you're like, Oh, I don't know. It's kind of a nerdy thing to do. No, just do it. It's so much fun. Like <laughs> it is so much fun. The girl, number one, the girls are the best that are in drama. Like they're oh, like, always. They're, they're like, <laughs> like, I, like they're just, I just remember my friendships from drama and all the girls in the class were amazing. Like just real fun people. And like, very like uh i don't know it's one of some of the best times in my life was uh drama class but do that if you are if you're thinking about that but what I, what I, the main point i think we're i was tra- like talking about is the discipline to do that to do that every day if if and once you like get it down and you're disciplined enough to do it like once a day you, you start doing it every day for like three months and all of a sudden you realize Hey, this ain't hard anymore. I can do, I was doing three things, but now I'm going to do six things. Yeah. Oh, now I'm the six ain't really that hard. You know, now I'm going to do, you know, 15. And then by the time you're doing 15 things a day for your business or whatever, you don't need that other job because now this business is making you so much money. Now, now all of a sudden you can put all, all the energy in there. Yeah. It's, and it happens, but it's just gradual. It's like anything like going to the gym. Like if you go to the gym, like you just got to get, you got to just get there three or yeah. four times a week. If you just go three or four times a week, week, you know, after a year, you're going to be, you're going to want to be doing something. You're going to, you're going to find a, you're going to want to lift more weights. You're going to want to run a little bit longer than a mile. You're going to want to, uh, you're going to see the, you're going to see the, the progression and then just want to add on to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like that with anything, at least for me, 
and uh for me i'm i'm like an addict too so like whenever i get involved in something i'm like this is what i'm doing and then i try to focus all my energy and uh everything into that one thing or multiple things depending on what i'm doing like the podcast well, <laughs> well when i when you reached out i was like i was like david i was like i was like who is this guy what does he want let me see what <laughs> this is about you know because a lot of people are like oh yeah come do this and then they're not organized they have no idea what they're yeah. doing and then I looked, you had a nice calendar going on. You had good spots to, uh, you know, you know, spot like a abundant of slots to pick your date, do a right. podcast. And I, I was like, all right, this guy has it together. He's going to, he's going to make it just because you're planning it. You're planning it out and you're focused on it. You got a calendar, you're wanting to do it. Like you'll make it. It's, it's yeah. going to come for you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's just one of those things that, you know, when, like, like, like I mentioned, I work full time. And so working full time and then trying to schedule things around my schedule. And then like, if I'm, if I'm scheduling with you and we're going back and forth, like, no, that time doesn't work. What time works for you? Nope. That time doesn't work for me. But if I can provide a time that somebody can just go on and see what I have available, then they'll in, inherently just pick a time, you know, whatever time suits them. It may be three weeks from now, but eventually one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday might work for them. Yeah. We could, we scheduled this like a month ago, month ago or yeah. Even farther. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that worked out. I mean, that's pretty good. That's smart. Cause you'll get some good guests that way. Yeah, you will. And then um, one thing I've also learned like with moving in the right direction, always doing something to better whatever it is. And for me, it's, you know, obviously trying to like reach out to guests or doing something for the podcast every day is I'll just send invites to people like, like yourself. Like I sent invite, you might say no, but so what you just keep on moving and find somebody yeah. else. So again, thank like, you for signing up. That's, that's cool. Yeah, man. Well, I, I didn't know you came to the show. So that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, all right, this guy's doing a little research and, and uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, that's good for what you're doing, you know, to be informed about your guest. And I appreciate oh, yeah. it. Well, I, like I said, I'm a huge comedy fan and, uh, I've been a comedy fan since I was a teenager. I, I remember the first comedian I ever seen or heard was, uh, Dane Cook. Oh, and, uh, dude, I love Dane Cook. He's, he's one of my favorites. And, uh, um, I remember his joke specifically. I was in the youth group. We we're going to some sort of church event and yeah. one of the, one of the guys brought his MP3 player and we're sitting in the, in the van and the, in the church going to this event or at the church going to this event and we're like hiding behind the chairs because we didn't want the pat the youth pastor to see us listening to our mp3 players and uh we're listening to dane cook and it was his cheating joke and he's like talking about how you know he's sneaking in the house at like two Cheater! or three Cheater, lie. yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> bro oh. Was, oh my gosh one of the like from that moment on i've been hooked on comedy and uh I actually had a chance to go see Dane Cook uh, recently within the last few years, and it was, it was extremely cool. Did he rip it for you? Oh, he did. He did. So I got a story. So I, it's funny because you talk about Dane, Dane like that. Um, number one, if you are a Dane fan, follow him on Twitter because he does like live Q&As all the time, mm -hmm. and you can ask him any questions. And he's very like open. He'll answer your questions for you, and it's pretty cool. But um, when I was out in L.A. one of the years, because uh, I because I love Dane, too. Like, that was the one of the first comics I ever heard. Okay. Him, uh, it was like 
like he was like the first one like i really heard because all my friends like worked at burger king and he had that bk <laughs> lounge show oh my god yeah and uh like like so like like he had like his brother was the manager or whatever and he was like oh yeah he thought he was the king and like <laughs> so we like quote like every single one of my friends worked at burger king at one time it was like a legacy like i did my buddy pj did my buddy was my buddy uh uh jake and my buddy blaine so that's five of us who all worked at uh at burger king at one point of our lives and we'd go there every day and we'd get free sodas from like from my buddy blaine and uh like, I remember just listening to that album, like, all the time, just, like, laughing, our, like, the Kool-Aid man, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and just, like, I remember, I remember being in a hot tub with, like, my friend, and, like, these two girls were all listening to Dinka, we're all laughing, like, ah! <laughs> and uh, I was in L.A., and my buddy John opened up for him, like, he was, like, opening for him all the time, and I was sleeping on John's futon in, in L.A., and he's like, let me crash there, and one day he's like he's like what are you doing for the super bowl and i'm like uh yeah. he's like i was like yeah and he's like uh well you want to come to watch uh the super bowl at dan cook's house and i'm like let me check my calendar and see what i can do you know <laughs> and so i'm like sitting there and freaking i'm like calling everybody back at home like my buddy dave compton like we were doing show like we were going to like all these open mics together like we'd always carpool and I'm like calling him, I'm like, I'm about to go to Dane Cook's house. I'm, I'm about to make it, man. I'm like, I'm making it today, you know? And, uh, and I, me- I remember exactly the Super Bowl. It was the, it was the, uh, the Broncos with Peyton Manning and the Seattle Seahawks okay. when Seattle just wiped their freaking ass with the freaking Broncos. <laughs> like they beat them so bad. And it was so funny because like I was so nervous when – I was like there with Dane who's like stupid head was oh Peyton Manning's got this like like that was the my Hold only on, line could, of the whole night I was so nervous and then he Peyton Manning's got whoop oh okay where, uh, where did I get cut out at uh you cut out what I think with Peyton Manning <laughs> it was it was for a couple seconds but... oh that was yeah that was the only thing I said because I was so nervous like seeing Dane because like in my head, I'm like, I'm like, you know, holy, sh- like this guy's, you know, like the the guy, you know, what I mean, like the number yeah. one guy, yeah, you know, you see, him like doing Madison Square Garden and all that kind of stuff, and I'm at his house, I'm like all nervous. John's like, don't, like, John's like, don't, uh, don't be like a big fan, you know, a fanboy or whatever, you know, like don't, be like, <laughs> which like I can do, like that's like exactly what I did. When I met Paulie Shore, I was like, "Hey, Mr. Shore," I was like, "I was like so pumped." I was like, "I was like, anything you need, I got it. I'm the man. I'll do it for you. I got it done." Like, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> like Paulie Shore's like, hey, calm down, calm down, man." And uh, like, um, but so the only thing I said with uh, to Dane was, "Oh yeah, Peyton Manning's got this. Like, it, there's no way he's losing this game." And then he loses by like 40 <laughs> points or something. I was like, "Oh, what an idiot." I was definitely got that wrong. <laughs> oh, but that so was like hilarious. one of the, that was one of the coolest moments because like Dane lives like in this like house like up in the hills and like you like walk up and you look you can see like the whole city and it's oh, beautiful. Wow. And it's beautiful and you're like, "Wow." Like this is like what com this is what comedy could be. Yeah, you know, that's what could really get, that's what it could get you. Um and it was just cool to meet like the per like one of the 
you know, one of the people that, you know, introduced you into comedy. It was like, he was like the, he was like one of the first people I ever heard. Yeah. Like, do comedy. And then I seen Ralphie May live. I love Ralphie May. That's like, like that's my dude to, uh, to the day I die, dude. Like I have so much gratitude for him. Like he's the nicest guy ever. And like gave so much good information to me about comedy. Like it was insane. Like, like most of the times when you ask people like for info, like, Hey, can you give me like some advice for comedy? And they just like say, Oh, follow your dreams, you know, or like, <laughs> like I, I'm not lying. That's a real thing. Some, that's what Dave Coulier told me. Uh, he goes, follow your dreams. I was like, I can't use that. You know, <laughs> like that's not like applicable, you know, that's what I'm doing. But, right. but like, I talked to Ralphie and he was like, he like, he's like, all right. He's like going over like how to tell a joke. He's like, most people won't tell you this. He's like, uh, he's like, you either got to figure this out on your own, which may take you a really long time. Or, you know, you find somebody who's like real like me and they'll tell you right away. And he's like, this is how you tell a joke. And, and to this day, like it's ingrained in my memory. It's like you do a setup to the left, uh, set up to the right, punchline in the middle. And when you do that, you scan all the way to the side of the audience, all the way to the, this side of the audience. And then you bring them in. And you keep everybody accountable. Uh, oh, oh, did I lose it? Oh, nope, I got lower, low battery. Oh, um, we can wrap it you up keep, soon. You keep everybody um, accountable with your eyes. And that brings everybody in for the punchline. Mm. And it's like, it's a psychology thing. And if I were to learn that on my own, how long would that have like, took me? Yeah, that would took me. I don't know if I would ever figure that out, you know, like yeah. without somebody just saying, "Hey, this is a, this is how you tell a joke." I'm like, "Wow, uh, that's that's like a basics one on one." Yeah, like really actually helpful to, and you can use that even if you're not even even if you're not even doing jokes, you're just doing public speaking. Yeah, and you're trying to and you're trying to engage your audience. And you're trying to work with them. Like, if you notice when I'm doing my crowd work, and this is a thing that I've learned from uh, one of my comedy mel uh, mentors too, Bill Bouchard. He does a lot of crowd work. Is that I'll do somebody on this side. I'll be like, hey, what's going on over here? Ask a question. Somebody on this side and somebody in the middle as well. That way I can keep the jokes popping and keep the whole audience engaged. Hmm. And, you know, it happens pretty much like subconsciously now. Like, I don't have to think about it yeah but it's a way to keep everybody engaged so if you're like ever doing any kind of public speaking or something like that and you're just trying to keep everybody looking at you because today's age everybody's on their phones everybody if you ain't looking at them they're trying to do some shit you know yeah they're on their <laughs> fucking tinder or fucking whatever they're doing <laughs> on their like who like i i see people that are so addicted to their phone that they're looking at their phone and there's no internet service and they're just looking at a screen <laughs> just because they're just because they're so conditioned. Yeah. They're like, addicted. I'm addicted. Yeah. I'm addicted to my phone. And I, that's one thing I'm trying to do is get off my phone. That's like my next goal is like, if I can get away from my phone, because I, you, you ever look at your data of how long you're on your phone? I don't want to. Yeah. Mine. <laughs> yeah. Mine's embarrassingly, embarrassingly high. And yeah. in, if that's like your biggest adversary right now, if you're, if you're doing public speakings, because people, it's like crack. There's like, wanna, they want to look yeah. at it. What's yeah. going on? Ooh, yeah. <laughs>
Oh, that's hilarious. That's actually really good advice. I might, I think I'm going to use that. If I ever try stand-up comedy, I'm going to use that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely use it. And if you're, if you're just doing, if you're doing any kind of speech, you're like the best man at a wedding or, uh, or if, uh, you know, you, you have to go to, you know, say something for town hall or, right. You know, or you're pitching an idea to, you know, maybe you got like a, a group, like maybe you got like a sponsor that you're trying to go, you know, and you're sitting there and you're, you're trying to engage the whole, the whole team, you know, keep them accountable, look at them. Right. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> it it works. It it surely it does. It's kind of it's kind of it's kind of wild. It's like yeah, that's a, cool. That's interesting. I didn't I didn't realize that. But now that you mentioned that, like going to comedy shows and seeing the way comedians engage the crowd, it they do do that. Yeah, especially yeah, especially been doing it for a while. You want to keep yeah. everybody. Yeah. Right. You're like the you're like the ringleader at a at a uh, at the circus, and if you don't if you don't run it good, things can get amok. You know, <laughs> right. people can go crazy. <laughs> well, Mike, this is this has been fun. I think we've been going yeah we've been going for about an hour. Um, I feel like I feel like I could listen to you talk all day. You uh, you have a great personality. You're you're hilarious. You're funny. You're just like naturally funny. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, if you're ever in Lansing, ever in the Lansing area, let me know. I'll have you on the podcast in person. That'd be sweet. Yeah. And uh, and maybe maybe we can get together and maybe get some food or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I got some friends down in, in Lansing. So um, hopefully I'll get some, uh, you know, get a show going on there and maybe yeah. uh, pop on down and uh, do a podcast and, and do another one. Because I'll definitely do this again. There's a lot, you know. I, I really appreciate the professionalism and uh, and in your interest in you know in the genre of yeah. you know, comedy. Oh, I love comedy. It's one of those. It's like like I mentioned. It's one of those things that like I, I never want it to go away. Um, and I've actually interviewed a couple other comedians here uh, locally. I'm not sure if you know who they are, um, but uh, Pat yeah. Se- Pat Severe Severe. How do you Pat say that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we interviewed- started together. Oh, really? Yeah, we were doing the open mic at uh, Lansing uh, Connections oh, a long okay. time ago. Actually, okay. him and I were in a uh, Dorito, like we were trying to like win a Doritos uh, competition, like uh, for the Super Lad. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, I remember like uh, it was shot at the uh, Comedy Connections, and like I had like this girlfriend or whatever in the in the skit, and like, I was like supposed to be kind of like being a douchebag, like that was like my character, and. <laughs> they're like here this is what you're getting cast as and uh <laughs> like what a stretch <laughs> and, uh, um uh and his character was like kind of like a nerdy guy and he's like eating doritos and he's like getting like crazy with it he's got like these like dorito like paw prints and like i got my girl there and i'm like just kind of like looking at him weird and then like she gets up and she's like this big fat ass and uh and she's got like Dorito prints on her ass from his hand, and like I don't know, like it's it's like a it's a joke on me, you know what I mean? Like the guys right. Doritos, you know, squeezing my girlfriend's ass, but <laughs> we didn't win, we didn't win, but it was like fun to do, you know. It was oh, a, that's cool. It was a fun uh, uh, old memory with him, but like all the you know all those guys in Lansing, we all, I mean, back in the day, I used to be in Lansing all the time doing open mics. The Green Door used to have an open mic okay um yeah. i did the max open mic like uh a couple times uh but the green door 
I was at a lot and then connections when they were open. Like that, I, that's the fun. That's the, that's like almost heartbreaking losing yeah. connections because it was such a nice club and the manager, Tina, bless her heart. She was the best, the best lady ever. She was always so welcoming and, uh, and, you know, gave, uh, gave me a place to perform comedy, comedy there. And it was like really, you know, a really special time because in the beginning, in the beginning of comedy, it's like, you know, it's really, really like just, it's so new. It's like, it's like being at Christmas for the first time, you know, like the magic <laughs> of it. You're like, what's going to happen? You know, uh, like, yeah. You're like, what's the night going to be like? And when you're first starting, like, you're like, is there going to be an audience there? And if there is an audience, you're like super pumped. You're like, oh, we're going to rip this audience. And, and then like half, like when you first start, like half the people aren't good, you know, they're like just starting out. And, but you, but it was like such a camaraderie, you know, like, oh, we're all going to hang out. We're going to do this show. I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, I went with my pals. We'd go to an open mic two hours away, three hours, we'd go to Ohio for an open mic. I remember, uh-huh. I remember driving seven hours to the San Jose Improv for four minutes. Oh with john with john campanelli john uh, uh he was on the show and he's like you want to you want to come uh do the show and split gas with me i'll get you on i'll get you like five minutes and i get there and they're like four minutes that's all you get and i was like <laughs> but i was like so brand new i was like not even you know i was like a baby in comedy but i had my little jokes written on my hand they went good <laughs> they, they went good i got some laughs people liked me you know, I mean, for the four minutes that I had, uh, that's awesome. But that's, you know, that's what, you know, the beginning of comedy is always like the, it's like the most magical time. I mean, cause it's so adventurous. Yeah. And then, and then kind of like, as you go on, it's still like really fun. It's still adventure, but it's more of a business. Like you're like, all right, well I gotta, you know, put my head down. I gotta, you know, hit these goals. Uh, you know, you're not getting drunk no more. I think that's maybe like another part was like pretty fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially with comedy when you're drinking, like there's been a couple comedy clubs that, or shows that I've gone to where you, you don't drink alcohol, like they, they don't serve it there and it, it loses something. The comedy show really lose really does. Did you die? Your phone die? Oh no, no, no. My, okay. Oh, no, no. Hang on a second. Okay. My buddy Jason are. Allen was calling me. Uh, he's yeah, coming on. So Jason Allen's co- coming on a whole, uh, Man, he's so funny. He's one of the funniest Canadians out there. He's coming on a whole uh, a whole tour with me. He's doing like a whole month on the road with me. He's going. Oh, very cool. Coming from Canada, we're going to we're gonna go see Metallica at Lollapalooza, oh which is God. like his favorite thing, dude. He's got this big ass beard. And that's a funny <laughs> that's a funny thing I do. Like when I'm on the road with Jason, is like I'll just like I'll just like fuck with him. I'll like do like bands that everybody's heard of. I'll be like Metallica. Have you ever heard of them? You got, <laughs> I'm like you got you got Metallica up in Canada or what? And, and uh like i'll like do that like with every single band that's like on the radio i'm like you oh heard these guys <laughs> they're like famous uh but yeah we're doing we're doing like a whole he's on like a whole month worth of shows with me so uh he's probably calling to see what's going on with that um that's cool but yeah i'm sorry i'm on a tangent now we're we're no, no. we're we're no, you're good. Uh, I was just saying that when you when when you're not able to drink at a comedy show, it almost loses something. Like, um, whenever I've gone to a comedy show and you can't drink, it's like okay, it's funny, it's comedy, but there's almost something that the alcohol brings out. Like it, yeah. it loosens you up. 
Yeah, well, I love when the alcohol or the 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 crowd's drunk. They, like <laughs> that makes my job a lot easier because they're looking to have a good time and they're about yeah. to have fun. Yeah, like that's good for them. I think the, the crowd should stay drunk and the comedians <laughs> need to keep their head going. Um, yeah, I'm for sure because I've had some real fun shows where people are just like like uh, drunk and they're just looking to have a good time, and yeah. that's that's the audience I like is the people who are like, hey. Let's just go have a good time. If the comedian's great, that's awesome. But no matter what, we're gonna have a good time. Yeah. And those end up being like the the best shows compared to the people who are like, well, let's see what this guy's got. You know what I mean? Like sitting there with a monocle or something, like they're heard you it. know, America's got talent. Yeah. They're like Move trying on. to judge you. Oh, let's see, let's see. Not too bad, I would say, young feller. You know. I mean, that's like I mean, that's almost like anything. If they're coming to have a good time that's what i feel like my audience and my fans the people that yeah. come out and see me they're they're there for a good time like they're they know what they're gonna get themselves into they're there to laugh they're there to have fun Man, yeah this other like a couple of shows like a, i was doing a show in waterford i got one guy uh get on stage take his shirt off and dance and then one guy there was a top hat I gave him a top hat and a can, uh, cane. He was dancing like he was the Monopoly man. Like, <laughs> like literally, like those are the, you know, that's what makes it like fun. Like, but I feel like I got a good audience for that. Like they know yeah. we're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time. Well, you, I mean, you just seem like a guy who likes to party. I like, used to. <laughs> but you can tell, like you genuinely like have a good time, even though you're not drinking when you're on stage. Like when you were on stage the other night, I was like, this guy likes to party. Like, he seems like he would be somebody fun to go to a club with or somebody to go to a party with. Like, it so just seems back, like it would be a good time. So back in the day, like when MySpace happened, right? And this is oh, kind of like what I was like in promotions, right? I remember I was in high school and MySpace came out and my name was Captain Crunk on Facebook. <laughs> you know, like shout out to like Lil John. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh and the principal, I remember it was like my principal, Mr. Blower. He he like see me in the Mr. hallway. Like, How's it going, <laughs> Mr. Captain Crunk? And I'm like, oh no, they know. And like I'm like, I got like these pyramids on my MySpace uh profile picture. And I remember I I used to love just have like throwing parties and having people over and doing beer pong, like. I mean, I used to have like I used to have a kegger before the football game. I'd oh have gosh. people come over and drink before the football game, <laughs> then go to the football game, and then come back and drink the rest of the keg afterwards. Oh my um, gosh! But the, the biggest the biggest party that I think I helped, I ever helped throw was there was like this uh, campground in Michigan. It's called Big Ben, and I went to it one year. It was really fun, and and so I was like super excited about like doing it again. So I like started a Facebook event and I did the same thing I did for like Ralphie May, but for this campground, I rented the, like this big space. They gave me a flat rate and I said, Hey, just have everybody pay, you know, uh, $8 a day at the door. And I'm supposed to get this extra money back, like over the, over the, uh, over the fee. But like the whole, like the, the thing went viral, like everybody came to, and it was called big Ben drunk fest. And my dad's like looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Drunk fest. And like, like I'm supposed to go up there on Saturday and people were showing up on Friday and like, it was like out of control. Like people were wasted. There were so many people that were wasted. 
and like the owners of the campground were like looking at me and they're like they're like people are jumping the fence and i'm like wasting i'm like i'm not border control like i can't i can't like i can't help you and so like they're so mad at me like they're like they're like uh they're like won't deliver firewood so people are like everybody's so like mad like they're overturning tables and they're going they're going nuts they're drinking (laughs) one guy got a dui at the campground like but it was the funnest time ever because we just it just we lived that moment we did we lived so carelessly and had so much fun and it's a moment i'll always remember but it's not something you can do when you're 33 you know i mean you gotta get your shit together when you're older Right, like exactly. that's how you do when you're 21 or 22. Yeah, I mean, those days are retired for me. Unless uh, <laughs> nah, they're, they're retired, man. I can't do it. That's awesome. That's good. Well, I mean, I I hope you know the best for you, and I hope that uh, you continue to have a successful comedy career. I mean, you're killing it. You're doing good. You're uh, you're hilarious, and uh, you're obviously booked up. So you you'll be successful. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. I I. I'm going to manifest that success onto you too. Shit. Next thing, next thing, uh, you know, you'll be interviewing, uh, you'll be interviewing Dane. On there. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've actually thought about trying to reach out to him. Um, you know, cause I do know he like, he does talk with his audience a little bit. So yeah. I thought about it, but then I'm like, uh, that, that's one of those things that might be, I don't know. It's kind of nervous. It's nerve wracking a little bit, but I, I, um, I do a few more. I build up your resume and then yeah. pitch them. You know yeah. what I mean? Get a few, keep building up the ladder. You know, yeah. build it and be like, "Well, I did this guy, this guy, this guy," and uh, <laughs> and then start like get on that uh, that Twitter, that Twitter Q and A, and start developing yeah, a relationship. You know, ask some questions. And you, you know, out. you you get on there like ten times and start talking to them. You know, you know, you never know because yeah, yeah. he likes helping out people and he like. You know, I, I just listened to him talk on there and he was talking about something I haven't really thought about in a while about like how he's doing his comedy. He's doing his comedy in like three acts, like a play, you know, a beginning act, a middle act and a, and a, a finishing act. Mm. And I really didn't like I wasn't really thinking about like comedy that way, but he is. So that's making me think like, well, you know, maybe I should maybe I should be thinking about it like that way. You know, the yeah. way he builds the set, because there's obviously something that he's been doing it for 30 years. There's stuff he knows that I haven't even, you know, even contemplated yet. So, right. you know, if I can learn anything from him, just like Judd, like if he's got yeah. anything to teach me, I'm like, tell me, I'm trying to absorb it. Right. Uh, so if you can get on there, I mean, whenever he does it, I put my notifications on for him. If, uh, you know, if you're a big fan like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks for doing this. It was fun. Um, I'll, I'll let you know when the episode will be available. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Absolutely, man. Keep rocking. All right, man. You too. Peace be with you. All right. See you.